0: Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
2: You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast.
0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series, If you're new here, I'm Jordan Bonaparte and Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat news stories that played out across Canada over the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on February 27th of 2024, Aaron and I talk about travel and sex. We hear about the shameless man who's been squatting in a dorm room of a BC flight school ever since he dropped out two years ago. We're going to choose sides in the high river horse war and we'll trip over ourselves while attempting to understand the Toronto glory hole trickster incident. Let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport, we are back, baby. We're back and better than ever. And it's not like we've been far, but last week we did release um, an episode that was a bit different than typical. We didn't review the past week's weird news stories. We instead uh, went far back in time. Not this week. This week, we have to unpack one of the weirder weeks in Canadian history. But before we get into the stories we're going to be talking about, I want to hear about you. What's new? What have you been up to? I miss oh, you.
3: Oh, I miss you too. Um, what have I been up to? Just just the usual, a lot of the usual. The weather has always been a thing, but um, mm-hmm. it's kind of calmed down recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be um, making a move here. Um, Whoa, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to be uh, selling my home. What? And moving mm-hmm. where? I'm moving into uh, an apartment uh, just for, you know, on kind of a temporary basis.
0: Okay. This, so, is, this is a weird intro because you're just, I'm learning this now.
3: I thought I'd talk to you a bit about this. Never
0: mentioned it. No.
3: No, I did the I when the idea was in its uh, infant stage. Okay. But, okay
0: admittedly, my memory is at the point, the cusp of disability. So I'm not surprised that I forgot about it, but, yeah, uh, yeah. okay, well, that's exciting. So I guess what you're saying is if there's anyone out there in keep Canada, weird nation who wants to own a piece of keep Canada, weird mm-hmm. history, contact would... Aaron's real estate agent.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Once it's li- nothing is listed yet. Nothing is ready to be listed yet.
0: Yeah. So, so, don't everyone call right away. Like, no, no, I'll let you know
3: breath. on the show when when the offers can come flooding in. <laughs> uh, so, over the next two or three months, I'm going to kind of get the house show ready. Okay. And then, um, and the apartment, thankfully, is very close by. So, I'll be able okay. to
0: keep an eye on the
3: house and.
0: And no effect on the show like this. You, you can still continue your important work here?
3: Well, for the people that watch the live recording on Tuesday nights on a regular basis, they'll notice my background will be different. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not not a filter that I'll be using. That'll be an actual real new background.
0: (laughs) Okay. A different Uh wall yeah well this is very exciting um all right so keep canada weird nation there will be a real estate opportunity popping up in cape breton and if you like helping people move there may be some opportunities for that as well in the new year in the new year I, that just seems like an approach i know it's not next year that you would be doing it but no, that just seems no. like it seems like the right thing to say no no i'm moving uh the end of this week oh <laughs> you tell me today um all right well i'm excited for you i'll be home soon and i'll help you i'm coming home uh yeah this is a very quickly turned took a turn into like a personal conversation let's get back to the listeners we have uh, some voice memos we need to hear okay are you done ranting about your move i didn't
3: think i was ranting but i was i didn't realize that you were so new to that information i apologize
0: absolutely new um well you live in cape breton you're selling a house and moving to another part of cape breton So let's go to a listener in Cape Breton. Her name is Michaela, and she's just letting us know that Cow Patty Bingo, which we talked about in the past episode, is not unique to the 1990s in Halifax. It turns out it's alive and well in Cape Breton.
2: Hey Jordan, it's Michaela from Cape Breton. Um, I was just listening to your podcast on the C.P. Allen High School cow incident that happened in 1994. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I thought I'd share this. Um, There is actually the same kind of contest that happens in Cape Breton in a field in Sydney once a year, every August, and the proceeds go towards a scholarship fund. People can buy a grid square of the land for like $5. And anyway, on the day of, Everybody goes to the field, they mark off the field in a grid, and they let a cow roam loose. And wherever the cow does its business, if it does it on your square, then you win a certain amount of the money, and the rest goes to local scholarships. And I believe this has been happening since the early 2000s. So, yeah, just a cool tidbit. Anyway, thanks so much. Love listening to your episodes.
0: This seems to be a bit more controlled. It's out in the field somewhere, not on the school grounds of a high school.
3: Yeah. I think we need to go and witness this for ourselves in August. I think we need, you and I need to go and participate in Cow Patty Bingo in Sydney.
0: I have a feeling it's not that exciting when the cow doesn't get loose. Like, do you just stand around for like four hours while you wait for the cow? Like, did he, did it do its business? No. Okay. Let's see.
3: I don't know. We'll never know unless we try it. And I think at this point in time, we've talked about cow patty bingo a lot on this show. And Okay.
0: Yeah, that's a good I point. think we
3: owe it to the listeners for us to put boots on the ground and go and participate in cow patty bingo ourselves.
0: I like the way you think. You want to bring this to the next level? I'm in. You know what else we owe to our listeners is updates on past stories when appropriate when relevant major updates happen we should talk about it several weeks ago we talked about the Regina Saskatchewan family who discovered they had a case of unopened 1979 OPG hockey cards and they were being sent to auction well I will tell you Aaron the auction just ended and the result of the auction like the discovery itself is one for the history books
1: Wow. It's the 1979 80 season of Opeachy Hockey Cards with 768 packages inside. It was found by a family in Regina clearing out this home office. They didn't know they had it. Fresh as they come. The family has chosen not to go public, but the auction house that sold the 16 boxes says the family had a viewing party Saturday, watching as the bidding went past $5 million.
4: We were texting them throughout the entire night, um, and they were—they're—they're they're floored. This is Wayne
1: Gretzky and Edmonton. They- now, what makes the box so valuable is that in the '79-'80 season, a certain hockey legend started rewriting the record book. Wayne Gretzky was the league MVP his rookie season. Well, a Gretzky rookie card can be worth more than its weight in gold. In mint condition, they average about $150,000. In what the industry calls gem mint condition, they can sell for millions. So how about the newly discovered boxes? If you open up this entire case, you should get somewhere between 25 and 30 Wayne Gretzky
4: rookie
0: cards. Are you surprised at all to hear that that auction surpassed the $5 million mark?
3: I'm not surprised at all. In fact, I think it should go for more. Like, don't you?
0: Uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot. Oddly enough, this story has just been in my mind. So, yeah, there must be. I I would like to know more about who bought them. Like, of course, I can understand why the family selling them doesn't want to go public because they now have, you know, $5 million. Um, But the people who buy them, I wonder if it's like a person, a group of people. Is it a company? It could even be, you know, some random card shop or something. Be interesting to know. Uh, either way, I think that's a cool story. I'm glad that uh, that discovery was made in Regina, here in Canada, and I'm glad that that family got five million bucks mm. out of it. Good for them.
3: And the people that bought the box may never open it either. They may just sit on that box.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think with collectibles, there, you know, the value will slowly go up, but eventually, like the people who love Wayne Gretzky and he's of their era. You know, they're they're eventually going to, like, get old and die off. And then mm. people, like, are, are going to be, like, let's say, like, Bobby Orr, which would have been, like, a great hockey player from the era before Wayne Gretzky. I would like to see how the value of his rookie card rose and fall fell over the years. Because I think the generation that would have been big fans of Bobby Orr, most of them are probably really old or dead or something.
3: Yeah, like but that. there are certain players that, you know, that, that span the test of time. Yeah. And like, look, look at like Babe Ruth, for example, like Babe Ruth Mm is so many generations ago, but you know, if you had a a piece of of Babe Ruth memorabilia today, it would be worth a fortune, I assume.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Anyway, let's get to it. We got to keep Canada weird tonight. We have some fantastic stories. Actually, some are fantastic. Some are awful. The way I put this together in my head is again, I like to work in themes. We have themes that involve travel because the lost ashes the horse lady and the dorm room squatter indirectly involve travel and then we have some sex because we have Toronto's sex trickster do you want to like maybe start with travel and then like end with sex we'll join the mile high club
3: uh yeah the sex thing could be very loosely related to travel like they had well, I mean, we we haven't talked about the story yet, but I think they traveled emotionally in that story. So
0: <laughs> I think you, any, I think you often do in sex. I've mm-hmm. read in uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, I've had smooth. some friends in elementary school tell me about.
3: I mean, you know, when I was in elementary school, tell me about sex, and that's all I really mm-hmm. know about it.
0: Okay, let's move on here. Let's get into. Let's start. Let's start off slow. Let's get into the story of. No, let's not start off slow. Let's jump right in, I'm too excited for this one. Let's hear the story of the dorm room squatter slash dropout. This story involves travel because it involves a flight school in BC that is taking a past student to court who is refusing to leave their student dormitories more than two years after he dropped out. I don't know if this is a statement about the housing crisis or if this guy's just out of his mind, but here it comes.
6: Is this you? Yeah. Saif Alderain signed a student accommodation agreement to rent a suite in this home in June 2021 before enrolling in flight classes. According to the Canadian Flight Center, which alleges he dropped out of school a week later, but continued to occupy his dorm unit. This is definitely an unprecedented situation for us. Two and a half years later, the flight school is going to court to have Saif Alderain evicted. The Residential Tenancy Act does not apply to living accommodation owned or operated by educational institutions and the Canadian Flight Centre says their former student has gone rogue. In this case, we tried to talk to the person, remind, uh, but eventually dragged out and the person was um, not just refusing to leave but almost barricaded himself. The BC Supreme Court petition alleges Saif Alderain has attempted to deny others access to the dormitories. On one occasion, an employee discovered he had tampered with locks operating two outdoor access doors connected to the suite. Batteries had allegedly been removed from the locks, making them inoperable. They claim that you won't leave your suite and that you've dropped you out of school. Need
1: to take video.
6: Reached Thursday, Saif Alderain declined to comment on his housing situation.
1: They have uh, a case against me. Did it be in the. Court.
6: Do you plan to, to stay here?
1: Um, the final case will be in the court.
6: He's probably trying to hang on to cheap rent. But again, it's um, not res- uh, residential tenancy. It's reserved for the students of our school. Anna Serbanenko says Saif Alderain is paying about seven to $800 a month, but they don't always receive full payments. It has been difficult and it because the situation has dragged out for so long. So hopefully it will be resolved soon.
0: That is a nightmare. And it seems like uh, in the story, they're, they're trying to get this guy to court because they can't go to the tenancy bureau or whatever, because it's not like a typical rental agreement. But it seems like because of that. Because the Tenancy Act and all this stuff isn't involved, you'd think they'd have an easier time getting him out of there. Like if you were squatting in an office building or something, you'd think they could just call the cops and get you out of there. Where if you're renting an apartment, there's this whole thing where there's like a hearing and you have to give a certain amount of notice and all this stuff. This is a nightmare. Mm
3: -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a nightmare. It reminds me a bit of that story we covered. I don't know. Maybe it was last year or a number of months ago. Where there was the gentleman who owned the house um, and his mother, I think, lived in the main level. And then there was an apartment upstairs that he had rented to a woman. But then this woman left and had just handed the keys over to her her friend. And her friend Mm -hmm. just squatted there and had parties and wrecked the place. And there was nothing the guy could do to get him out of there. Mm -hmm. So he just had to kind of grin and bear it for a very long time. He couldn't just, you know, this guy wasn't on the lease. You know, this guy was never somebody that he had agreed to allow to live there. Mm -hmm. He was just literally squatting and there was nothing the landlord could do to get him out. And Uh, this reminds me of that story. So even in this situation where there is no, you know, uh, regulation, kind of governing this situation, you still just can't get rid of somebody who's not supposed to be there,
0: and that's shocking to me. Uh, like, of course, I'm not a landlord and, or any of this stuff, but it just seems so unfair um, that that this guy can do that. He's dropped out of school more than two years ago, still living on the still living in a you know dormitory style housing. You would think that would be a like a bit of a risk to the other students for one, like just this random person is like squatting. Uh, I don't like the thought of that. And just the everything about it is wrong. I wonder how long he even went to that school. I wonder if that was a part of the plan. Like I can go to that school for a couple months, get $700 a month housing and just stay there forever. seems to be working.
3: Yeah. I don't know what his original motivation was. It's For some reason, I had the impression that he dropped out almost right away, like after a week or two or something.
0: That's kind of the way the article made it sound, but I don't know for sure. But it's, um, yeah, I I wonder if what it was, was he just drops out. He realizes like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm not school no more. I got to get an apartment. And then as he looks around, everything's, you know, three times as much as what he's paying. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to wait this out. Now, two years later, I guess like this is the hill you're dying on, and this could go on for another year. So,
3: (laughs) yeah, it's going to court. You would think that you would just be able to call the police. The police would come and remove them from the property, and you'd Mm -hmm. be done with it.
0: I've never quite heard of this before. I've been in dorm rooms and such at, you know, back in the day. The idea of squatting and staying after you're done school, I just never would have considered that to be an issue. Well, imagine you. live
3: the rest of your life in your university dorm just refusing to leave it's like you're 70 years old and you know you're still going to keggers and
0: just... uh, in a way it'd be awesome in a way it would be horrible
3: yeah but if you just refuse to leave what are they gonna do apparently yeah. nothing
0: yeah go on the news uh, so many things have the, the appeal process in the escalation process involves contacting like global news, CTV, CBC, and like talking about it on the news and having a reporter come and ask them about it. And that seems to be what's happening here. Maybe being on the news will scare this guy off, but we heard in the news clip he is uh, waiting to hear uh, what the courts decide. Yeah. Before he determines any of his next steps. I was
3: surprised he came to the door like mm-hmm. the the news team shows up to the door of of this residency and and he answered the door and he didn't, wasn't saying much he just kept saying, you know well it'll be figured out in court whatever but why just not go yeah. to the door like yeah <laughs> I was you?
0: surprised to see him on there answering questions but yeah I guess shame is maybe not his strong suit
3: I guess not he's i would like to know everything else that has shamed him in his life to bring him to this moment (laughs)
0: Uh, that was the story of a battle between the former student and the school let's hear another battle um, that involves travel in a way not air travel this is the story of the horse lady of high river and her partnership with the mayor her name is shelby Oppheim, and she was threatened with jail time if she continued to ride her horse on the streets of the southern Alberta town of High River. But after a series of run-ins with law enforcement, she found a powerful ally in the town's mayor. And together, they're fighting back.
7: Settlers began arriving here in the 1870s. Also arriving by horse, 150 years later, is Shelby Opheim. A proud member of High River's Western heritage.
5: I love my horses, yes. My auntie was a barrel racer, so I kind of got into it when I was younger. Three cream, two sweetener, and a honey cruller donut for the horse.
7: She takes Charlie everywhere, even for coffee, to make him comfortable in different environments.
5: Bomb proof. I can scream, I can yell. Stuff like this shouldn't scare them. So this makes them safe. When he goes to a home, nobody's getting hurt. And he's not going to go for me.
7: But about six months ago, Shelby and Charlie began running into trouble with the law.
5: They have pulled me over six times in the last like six months. The last time was Tuesday. And they told me that I was no longer allowed to ride in town. I couldn't have horses here. I could be arrested and put in jail. Town folk didn't want any trouble, they said. My biggest thing was I had concern for her with the traffic and knowing horses, horses are just animals and they don't know what traffic is all the time.
7: So peace officers got legal advice and barred horses from the town. Horse feathers, said Shelby.
5: Our bylaw says that we can. Our High River page you can actually go on says horses are a mean of transportation. The only issue is they
7: poop. Tuesday, the mayor felt he had to step right into the middle of it. Sometimes you got to clean up the mess afterwards. So that's what we're doing. Turns out Shelby was right. Mayor Snodgrass says things got goofy when peace officers got legal advice without first going to council. We're the town of High River. We're a small ag-based community. Shelby's more than welcome to ride her horse in through town. You respect the public, you respect the other drivers, you're doing it safely. But the other thing is is the drivers in their vehicles need to be doing the exact same thing. And that was that.
5: I will continue riding in town. As long as I am allowed to.
7: The two settled things
0: the old-fashioned way with a
7: handshake.
0: His First comment on this story is: I got to say, I love that mayor. The way he handled that, I like this guy should be prime minister. Just this, it, it just makes sense. He just shows up, addresses the issue. You're allowed to ride that here. There's no law against it. You need to be careful and respectful of others. Other people on the road and their vehicles need to be respectful of you. They shake hands outside of a Tim Hortons. It's a very Canadian outcome mm-hmm yeah but i but i can look at your the look on your face tells me you have a different opinion i don't care for this woman what i th- i think she's great. no i no, enjoy Shelby. no
3: i find her i gotta be honest i find her smug uh i i think that uh to be honest i think she's an instigator really yeah, i do i think they picked the fight with her no 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 i think she was looking for it really? oh yeah she knew she knew she couldn't do it And she was out just Mm. flaunting her horse for everyone to see, going through drive-thrus of Tim Hortons, of all places. Mm, Good. That's a
8: good
0: point. Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't care for that either. And...
0: I wonder... I, I thought that I was just... To interject here, I kind of suspect that maybe the news put her up to going through the drive-through because that is a good moment of like news.
3: Oh no, TV no, no! She it. does this all the time because she's like, I get it, I get a coffee for me, and I get this for that person, and I get a honey for my horse, because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Great impression. <Yeah. laughs> oh, I God. can do whatever I want, and you know what the common theme in in these stories are? It's not travel, it's it's uh, vigilantes, people. No, really? who are going against the law to basically do whatever they want, no matter what the authorities say about it. So this guy uh, stays in this dorm, this, this room, you know, um, when he's supposed to be going to flight school and he's not, but he wants to stay anyway. And he just does it no matter what anybody mm-hmm. tells him. And then this story here. Okay.
0: This woman wants to ride. Her name is Shelby. I don't. Her name is Shelby, and she's a nice person. Right? No, you don't know her. Go on. No, you don't know her.
3: I can read her. She's a jerk. I just know it. <laughs> um, she wants to ride her horse wherever she wants, and nobody's going to tell her any different. And it's only a coincidence that the mayor just happens to agree with her.
0: It's, it's not that he agrees with her. He, there is no law against it. So why can't you? But if the police are telling her not to do it. Oh, police never make mistakes. They always get things right.
3: Yeah, but maybe there's a reason. Like, well, we live in modern society now. And we see a lot of issues with you riding your horse wherever you want.
0: Yeah. Because she was... I'd jump on an e-bike like a regular she was person. was riding
3: it right down the middle of the street. Did you see that in the clip? You yeah, think That's that okay. is true, yeah. And then the horse is yeah, crap. Was... You think she's... So she's riding down the middle of the streets. And her horse has explosive diarrhea and it's just crap (laughs) everywhere you think she's getting off the horse all the time every single time stopping traffic so that she can get in the middle of the street and pick up all the crap from her horse and then getting back on like do you know how disruptive that is to the regular flow of traffic
0: well here's the thing my thought is, why should she have to pick it up if it's just on the road? Different if it's in a parking lot no, or a drive through No, no,
3: no, no. People's tires are rolling in it. Their tires Who reek. Who cares? Your, your car is going to reek, man. That's going to cling to your tires for days. Like, Would that's it? awful. No, people will have to be cleaning their tires when they get home. Because they're covered mm. in horse crap. <laughs> like, you know, the scene from uh, Back to the Future when, like... uh you know, Biff is chasing Marty in the, in the car in the, in the, in 1955 and, and Marty fashions the skateboard out of the thing that the little girl was riding. And he's like, he ends up like being chased to the point where he moves out of the way. And then Biff like slams into the the cart filled with horse manure and it spills all that's what's going to be happening in this town because of this woman, that kind of a horse manure chaotic scene it's going to be a weekly occurrence now because now the mayor has said, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. And so now any any other- Everyone in the city is going to be getting Every Joe horses. idiot with a horse who's going to come down and be like, oh, we can ride our horses wherever we want. This is great. This town is lawless now.
0: <laughs> wow. That could be the outcome. I don't know. This is, uh, this is an interesting story. I guess we'll see where it goes. But I think uh, if Shelby can be respectful of the community, I don't imagine- they're going to get a new bylaw on the books because that's what it would take. It would take some kind of change in th- the town's bylaws or something to um, prohibit uh, horses uh, for use as transportation. Uh, one other thing before we before we get back into it, this is referred was referred to as a egg. Uh, the, the mayor said we're just a small uh, egg town. Or something? Did you catch that? No, no, I didn't catch that. Okay, I think I think this. T- I don't know the town that this takes place in, but I think that the the town is High River. I think the town's like economy is based on eggs.
3: Yeah, well, a horse can crush an egg pretty easily, so they
0: should get rid mm-hmm. of them. Okay, uh, it's going to destroy the town's economy, and the tires are going to.
3: Everyone's on. stinky tires when they're going to pick up broken eggs that the horse is stepped <laughs> on. I don't know this woman just her attitude I didn't I didn't care for her attitude and just the yeah. just the way she talked to the camera and the way she's just like nah, I'm gonna do whatever I want I don't care
0: yeah I don't. we're gonna end disagreeing on this one because I think she's all right
3: no I I don't like her
0: let's move on to the final story related directly to travel uh we're gonna be moving we go from a flight school to horseback we're going to be now back to aviation. This is going to be related to lost luggage, but a pretty unique story of lost luggage because there is a lot of lost luggage stories. In fact, it seems every time someone I know flies, they have a story to tell me about lost luggage. This is different though. This involves a Bram- This involves a Brampton, Ontario family that recently took a trip to Jamaica to spread the ashes of their late brother, but, As typical, their luggage was misplaced, and so were the ashes.
4: The family was taking their brother's cremated remains to Jamaica for a service. They put them in a checked suitcase, but when they arrived, the luggage was missing, and it's never been recovered. It will be a miracle if we'll be able to get that luggage back but we're still hoping. Before Conroy passed, he had a final wish. He wanted his cremated ashes to be placed next to his mother's gravesite
5: in Jamaica. We should take some of his hash and put beside our mom.
4: A group of family members flew to Jamaica for a memorial service last March, but when they arrived, the check suitcase that contained their brother's remains had gone missing. Without Conroy's ashes, the service didn't happen. There was no body or more ashes for the service to take place. It was very, very sad, very depressing. Charles says he phoned the airport in Jamaica, went there several times and filled out a missing baggage form. When he returned to Canada the following month, he says he also contacted the airline Air Canada and was told when the suitcase was recovered, it would be sent to him. But it was never found. The luggage is missing and we've had no form of compensation, or even kind words. In a statement to CTV News, the airline said it was very unfortunate, but said while the family informed the airport, it only learned of the lost suitcase three months after it went missing, so it was not possible to track the suitcase or provide compensation. Air Canada added, cremated remains may be taken on board in your carry-on luggage, provided they are stored in a material that can be security screened. Charles feels he did provide Air Canada with the proper information and feels terrible he was not able to fulfill his brother's final wishes.
5: Let me feel bad like I let him down with that.
4: And while you can't take cremated ashes on an airplane, for international travel there may be different rules depending on the country. You
0: should check to see if additional paperwork may be required. At this point, I think for everybody involved in this, it's a lose-lose. They're lost.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things lost in this story, but I don't know, it's um it's unfortunate. It's it's uh sad to hear about uh the lost ashes and a lot yeah, of it doesn't make just, sense
0: though. A lot of the uh, I feel the same way. A lot of the stories we hear about luggage being lost, it's often like, you know, a, a guitar was smashed. That's a common one, or like some expensive valuable thing was mistreated in the whole process. Um, But usually, like, if you're flying with something valuable, like, and small and valuable, or really important, like maybe medication or something, I wouldn't put that in – you wouldn't put that in your luggage. You'd put it in your carry-on so that way you bring it with you and keep it close to you. I couldn't imagine getting on an airplane and putting cremated remains in the checked baggage.
3: Yeah, I couldn't either. Now, they they clarified at the end – I mean, Air Canada said, as long as it's in a packaging that can pass through security and be checked, uh, they can carry the ashes on with them in their carry-on. Mm-hmm. But then, at the end mm-hmm. of the news broadcast, it said, you know, Air Canada does allow it, but possibly not for international travel.
0: Yeah, I, I felt that – I noticed that as well. It seemed like maybe there was two different ways that – or two different kind of sets of rules for Air Canada versus international travel. But it must be a common thing. Like people would be bringing remains around the world. So that must be the kind of thing that comes up a lot. I can't imagine the, the airline would want the liability of having it checked.
3: No, in, no. Like in a
0: checked bag. Um, I mean, story, the
3: but- other option would have been to mail it, maybe. Um, oh, God.
0: Can you trust Well, that? who, That's do you also trust? who do you trust I'd want it in my pocket. Than-
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, too. Like, I- See, I don't know if they had any other barriers in terms of – because they were going on international. like They were flying to another
0: country, right? Yeah, Jamaica, which isn't in Canada.
3: Yeah, yeah. So maybe they were allowed to – bring it on in canada but i don't
0: know could you not just sneak it but i guess imagine you got caught at border services with like a pocket full of like gray powder in your pocket and they're like what's that it's in your sock and they're like what is this sir you have to explain (laughs) well it's It's actually my brother it's
3: it's, it's enough of my brother to fit in a sock the rest is at home yeah
0: but then if you explained it i think they get it like i don't want to check it because if they lose it and you know the way they are here they lose stuff all the time mm. I didn't want to do that they won't let me carry it on I had to you know put it in a balloon and swallow it or something I watch a lot of those border patrols shows Oh you do so I know yeah how people so the get balloon stuff is them. a common yeah and so is like taking luggage and hollowing out the bottom and like putting stuff down in there you But would like your would
3: your dead brother who's now in the form of ashes rather be a lost in a, inside a lost piece of luggage or up your ass <laughs>
0: um yeah that's a good question uh i, I think there's
3: more respect the lost luggage in the be? lost luggage than to be up your ass and then eventually making it uh yeah to, that's, to that's jamaica true, that's but true. i mean you're not gonna do they have- gonna be able to put all of them up there i mean there's a what? lot of ashes in there
0: yeah, but often when there there is a lot of ashes when someone's cremated, but it gets divided up amongst people. Like, would they? Ha- I don't think they would have to take all. I don't know what he asked for in his last will and testament, but I don't know if he would have asked to have all of his ashes brought. But here's it. Like, why not just like a little baggie or something that you could stick in your (laughs) your... uh (laughs) what about this um you remember i think it was just two weeks ago we we heard the story that people who wanted to get the money back from their grave plot Mm -hmm. because it was like a couple hours away and it was the grave they bought a grave plot next to their parents but then they moved a couple hours away and they want they didn't want it anymore they weren't willing to drive like two hours to see their parents graves this guy's flying around the world to help his brother you know get close to his mother
3: yeah it's great yeah
0: i i think uh there's something to be said about family it makes in those story.
3: two people who were trying to get their money back on their grave
0: plot look even more
3: like jerks you know Yep. Yeah, yeah right
0: um speaking of jerks and jerk, oh, that's this there's kind of a double entendre there but speaking of jerks let's get on to let's get oh. off on our next story oh. <laughs> <laughs> this story is about sex and we don't go here often on keep canada weird yeah because you and I we don't know a lot about sex you and I and I think we're gonna learn enough about sex in this to tell me that I don't want to know anything else about it because this is a very weird story if you want to get on keep Canada weird as a topic involving sex, you really need to pull out all the stops. And this next one is a trip. Uh, Aaron, why don't you do the honors and read this story?
3: Uh, I am honored that you would, uh, bestow on me the opportunity to read a story
0: about glory holes. So- uh, I called the story Toronto's sex trickster. Would you call it something different if you? Because I come up with the names of the stories just off the top of my head as I'm putting it together. What would you like? Can you think of a better name than Toronto's sex trickster? Toronto, because there is a trick in this story. There is a trick for sure.
3: Um, I mean, nothing off the top of my head, which is which is kind of um, a bit of a play on words there as well hmm mm-hmm. uh okay so i will read the story so yep. on two separate occasions in 2020 tony safir is that how you say it
0: that's how i'll okay. say it, yeah
3: so on two separate occasions in 2020 tony safir tricked two men into believing they were talking to a woman online and invited them over to his toronto home to have anonymous sex through a hole in a sheet hanging in a doorway The ruse came to an end when the second man pulled the sheet down to find Safir cowering on the ground in a black wig, and he was later arrested. Ontario Court Justice Kathy Mocha convicted the 33-year-old of two counts of sexual assault, given that the victims had been misled about the identity of their sexual partner. On Friday, she sentenced him to 28 months in prison, 14 months, months for each count. He'll also be on the sex offender's registry for the next ten years. The two victims believe they were talking online with a woman and were going over to her home for a glory hole scenario. <laughs> That's what we should call this this story, is just glory hole scenario.
0: Toronto's glory hole scenario.
3: scenario. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The the answer is is in the story. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that they give a bit of a explanation here. <laughs> Yeah, tell us. Okay, so I'm going to start this sentence over again so we can get the full weight of their explanation. (laughs) So here's how the professional journalists describe it. The two victims believed they were talking online with a woman and were going over to her home for a glory hole scenario. That is, a hole in a wall or other material through which people can engage in typically anonymous sex. (laughs) <laughs> or other material. <laughs> I love that. Well, in this
0: case, a sheet, it so they had to the be clear.
3: Bed sheets, yeah. <laughs> so as instructed, the victims walked into the home and put their penises inside a hole in a sheet hanging in a doorway. Wait,
0: before, before we go any further, should I, if anyone has any kids oh, in the room... Oh, it's too late. They've already heard too much, but yeah. get them out now before Aaron gets to the next part. So as instructed, the victims walked in the home and put their penises inside a hole in a sheet that was hanging in a doorway. What happened next? Oh, then
3: it gets really good. Uh, <laughs> oral sex was performed. And then it became penetration without warning, which both victims believed was anal. Okay. Mocha rejected Saphir's testimony that the men were, in fact, communicating with a woman named Angela, who he said had access to his home. (laughs) Oh, boy. The judge concluded that Angela was a fictitious person created by Saphir. Obviously. Yeah, of course. He pulled down the sheet and Saphir was right there wearing a wig. (laughs) His story is filled with holes, <laughs> Severe. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, this whole story is going to be edited out of the podcast, I think. But we'll yeah. keep going because. No, let's keep going. I'm enjoying I'm this, even time. if this isn't yeah, a podcast. Even if it's just you and me sitting in a room alone <laughs> reading, this, reading article. this article together, <laughs> laughing, laughing to ourselves. Yeah. Okay. In her sentencing decision Friday, Mocha found that there was no evidence of real remorse or appreciation of harm done on Sophia's part, and that his offenses involved a fair degree of planning. He had to go out and buy the wig and stuff. So, Uh, The method he used of the glory hole, using a wig telling the victims they had to be quiet so he wouldn't have to speak to them, all helped to maintain the illusion that he created in his communications that the victims were engaging with a woman, the judge said. The two victims now question their judgment and feel self-doubt and guilt, Mocha said. As with most victims of sexual assault, they wonder if they are somehow at fault or what happened or could have done more to prevent it. They feel shame and are unable to confide in those close to them.
0: I like this next part. I'm excited okay. for this.
3: The lawyer representing Saphir. Yes, I love this part, too. (laughs) The lawyer representing Saphir has suggested that the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic (laughs) led to poor decision making by Saphir. But Mocha said there was no evidence of that.
0: Many people during the pandemic had difficulty making personal connections and were creative in how they dealt with it, the judge Mocha said. Mr.
3: Safir is here because he committed criminal offenses that negated the ability of the victims to choose how and who they engaged with.
0: That is a roller coaster. I can't believe that happened. Oh, it's it's wild. So he, yeah, I I guess we don't even need to suggest or, or... theorize or speculate on what happened first of all there's no way there's like this angela person is fictitious Mm -hmm. his idea like to go in for him to go into court after being caught red-handed and say there's this person angela who has access she did it all "Mm, no they should throw the book at this guy he's a he's a deviant he's yeah you should never trick anybody into a situation like that and <laughs> they send him to the one place that he could never do something like this again a male prison. Mm-hmm.
3: It sounds like he wanted to go to prison.
0: Yeah, he's like, yes.
3: Finally.
0: Only 24 Finally months. Finally,
3: somebody took me to court over this. <laughs> yes. I've been doing this for yeah. so many years trying to get to prison, and nobody mm-hmm. would charge
0: me. Uh, I, I was. It, here's the thing like this, obviously, it's some kind of like the like kink that this guy has which there's no shame in having a kink, but there is a ton of shame in the lack of consent the people that he's engaging with uh, were able to give. Certainly there's a way that he can explore this uh, dangerous side of his sexuality without tricking people on the internet. And if the tricking is what gets him excited, then that's a really big problem. Because if if his kink is the you know the dishonesty part of it yeah that's bad I think
3: it is maybe dishonesty part of it that probably gets him off the most because I'm sure he'd have no problem finding willing participants online that know who he is and know that he's a man in a wig and um would would show up to his his whole cutted sheet and and uh <laughs> penetrated i don't know what to say here but uh, oh yeah i'm yeah. i'm sure he would find willing participants that are aware of all of the realities and are fine with that but i think mm-hmm. in this situation it seems like it's the it's it's the um pulling the sheet over their eyes aspect of it that i think he uh, enjoys the most yeah. Why do you think the second
0: guy pulled the sheet down? Do you think he suspected something? I'm sure there was probably some suspicion about it, yeah. Mm, Yeah, that's true. I don't want to think about that. Then the the second guy is the one who pulled the sheet down and saw him in a wig. I wonder how the first guy found out. I guess the second guy went to the police, and the police somehow figured out there was this other guy who was there you know, a couple nights earlier. Imagine getting that call.
3: Yeah, and if that is how, in fact, they ended up, connecting with each other and both charging them. Like maybe, it, maybe I, they knew each other pr- prior to this.
0: Maybe. I don't, I don't know. They are, I doubt they are going to speak publicly about this.
3: Yeah. That is an interesting aspect of it. I, I'd be curious to know how they, yeah, like was it the way you said, or was it another way? I don't well, know. Well,
0: imagine getting that—the uh, cops. Uh, hello, this is the Toronto. Uh, my name is Constable Whatever from the Toronto Police. Uh, were you involved in a glory hole like scenario a few nights ago at an apartment building? Uh, yeah. I would. Uh, well, I would think he would probably be like no. Oh, really? Like what did I? Do? <laughs> well, what am I going to do? My first lie? thought would Your be first like, a lie I would the say,
3: officer? listen, Listen, um, even in the world of, of glory holes. Honesty is always the best policy. The best and that yeah, goes well, for the person giving that and That goes receiving. both ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So eventually I tell the cop, like, yes, I shouldn't have lied to you. That was me. I went there. Like, why? how do you know and why are you calling me? About? Yeah. And, and then he and says, and then they just say, I like,
3: have a glory hole. <laughs> I want you to.
0: <laughs> no, he would just say, like, that was a man pretending to be a woman. Do you want to press charges?
3: Okay, I don't know. This is a this is a weird role play you and I are engaging in right now. I don't
0: <laughs> I don't know what. My kink. This is my kink.
3: Yeah, well, you're kind of tricking me into it, so I don't want to participate anymore.
0: <laughs> Just pretend you're the. Cop. We've
3: already said things that can't even air on this episode already, so yeah. I don't. You're gonna have a fun time editing this show, you know. Okay. Once you get off the horn uh,
0: with me. Anyway, shame on this. Uh, I'm gonna call him a pervert because I think and I'm not calling him a pervert because of this kink I'm calling him a pervert for subjecting to non consent subjecting non consenting people to his kink mm. shame on you buddy yeah
3: in a very yeah anyway I won't I, I I I'm not gonna comment any further on this story
0: let's um let's just go out with uh, a voice memo oh yeah I do you remember Zach uh, I can't think of what state he's in. Zach is from, I think he's in somewhere southern. Uh, he's writing to, um, do you, or he's sending us a voice memo weighing in on the story that we talked about months ago about Jay's Chicken Shop in Glace Bay. That was the chicken shop in Glace Bay that made a post about, you know, if you come to a restaurant and the employees are fighting, try to um, stop it. Basically, was was mm-hmm. the post, and and if you have to intervene in an employee fight, of course your meal will be free. It was something of course to that yeah. to that effect. Uh, Zach's commenting on that. Here it comes.
8: Hey, what's up, Jordan and Aaron? It's Zach from Pittsburgh. Uh, I was calling in because I heard the episode of Keep Canada Weird about the uh, chicken place that uh, it seemed like they had a weird advertisement and. Uh, Kind of seems like they just had some interior drama in that business and was letting everyone know about it. Weird, but it harkened me back to about a year ago or so. I take the bus into work and I see these billboards and the billboards was for this law company called Morgan and Morgan. And they started out innocent enough. It was like Morgan and Morgan, the largest defense lawyers in the United States. Like well, yeah okay yeah cool well, whatever <laughs> do your thing, and then the billboard went to Morgan and Morgan size matters, and I'm like <laughs> oh my goodness that's great I love it, but all right you went for it there a little edgy, and then all of a sudden they would start appearing with these pictures of the lawyers and stuff, and they would say like for the people, and I'm like. Well, sorry. So they ditched the whole edgy thing. And like a week later, it would look like someone went up there and freaking spray painted it and spray painted it over. And so instead of for the people it would say fleece the people. I'm like, damn, someone is really mad at these dudes. I mean, and they had billboards all over town. And it was, one was like fleece the people. The other one had like the one lawyer literally looking spray paint like he had a clown's head and a clown's nose. And I'm like, man, they really pissed somebody off. And then my one buddy on Facebook posted about the same time I started noticing that it looks like people are like spray painting these billboards. Because He did the exact same thing. It's like, people really hate these guys. And I'm like oh, wait, all right, so you saw this too? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, it's the same thing on the one downtown. So what it actually ended up being is this law office decided that it was a great idea that they would actually make billboards that looked like someone was spray painting their stuff and hating them for their advertisement. And I'm like... I get the whole idea of, like, press is not bad, whether it's bad or good press. But in myself, in my mind, it's like that's self-defeating to me. Like, you're, sh- you're putting billboards up to someone hating you to get people to notice you. I don't know. It made no sense. Um, but, hey, guys, love you and talk to you later.
0: Nowadays, if you want people's attention, you really need to like take a swing. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone take that approach, But I just think a lawyer going the way of like fleece the people. I think there'd be different ways they could do it. but
3: yeah, I mean, in your in your lawyers, you want a bit more of a professional tone, I guess than mm-hmm. lawyers that are faking graffiti. And and creating an illusion of of uh, dissatisfaction in their advertising and yeah
0: but but these are defense lawyers and there's a bit of a difference there where a defense lawyer like if I need someone to defend me I want them to you know know every trick in the book to get me out of it because uh, there, there's there's a defense lawyer I saw a sign for their they had a um, their slogan was something like just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. <laughs> was something of that nature. <laughs> so, this is no worse than that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of the stories we heard tonight tell us that uh, a lot of what we see is not real. If an offer's too good to be true on the internet, maybe it's not real. I'm talking about the glory hole situation.
7: Oh, um,
3: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The glory hole. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm gonna end it. Yeah, yeah, the glory hole. Yep. It's back to that. Yeah, it's always back to the glory hole with you. <laughs> Let's wrap it up here. I've heard enough <laughs> from you. I've had enough with you. <laughs> uh Handsome Aaron Airport, until next time. Jordan, until next time. I'm gonna wash my bed sheets and my hands tonight.
2: And, and my
0: everything. And Jordan, until
3: next time. You know what I'm not washing tonight? My car tires. Because, because there's no horses on my streets.
0: I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mission to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support. If something weird happens in your part of the country, we want to hear about it. And if you have any thoughts, opinions or theories on any of the stories we discussed tonight, we want to hear about that too. The best way to reach us is by sending a voice memo using the app built into nighttimepodcast.com contact. We're excited to hear from you. Now, before we part here, let me end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Keep Canada Weird. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And then lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to each and every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Melissa, Laura, and Ryan, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can help us out here in a variety of ways. The best way is by listening on the premium feed. It costs just a couple dollars a month, and that money funds the creation of the show. But the premium feed also gives you the episodes two days early, gives them to you ad-free, and gives you access to a full back catalog of nighttime and Keep Canada Weird episodes. If that sounds like something you're interested in, you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash And even if you don't want to go premium, you can still support this show by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting all your friends know why they should listen. We appreciate your support in growing this. Now, until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird.
2: Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast.